fix. Once upon a time in sunny Spain, there was a little bull, and his name was Ferdinand. All the other little bulls he lived with would run and jump and butt their heads together, but not Ferdinand. He had his favorite spot out in the pasture under a cork tree, and he would sit just quietly in its shade all day and smell the flowers. Sometimes his mother, who was a cow, would worry about him. She was afraid he would be lonesome all by himself. Now, Ferdinand, <laughs> why don't you play with all the other little boys? That's a very convincing female voice. Head? <laughs> but Ferdinand would shake his head. <laughs> I like it better here, where I can sit just quietly and smell the flowers. Well, kudos on his little kid, too. That's totally convincing. <laughs> it's like the stereotypical cow voice. It It is. It feels like the voice right out of the cartoons, doesn't it? I mean, because it is, but, you know. Yeah. It, it, there's that hallmark of like, wow, just nobody sounds like this ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, this is going to be silly. Well, hello, and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I am still not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. And if you haven't figured it out, the animal we are talking about today is cattle cowsies. Yes, but first, the news. This is Varman's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. The headline is Icelandic Cows Escape for Some Nighttime Adventure. You know it. <laughs> they like to party. Girls just want to have fun. <laughs> A herd of cows at Havanary Farm managed to open the door to their cow shed earlier this week, slipping out for a nighttime romp in the snow. As the weather worsened, the herd returned to the shed where they were found the morning after, safe and sound. Hoof prints and tracking devices painted a clear picture of the night's rowdy activities. There was a post on the Havanary Farm Facebook page that said, The approach to the cowshed was somewhat amusing yesterday morning. By the entrance, there were many traces of cattle traffic, but outside, no cattle were to be seen. Inside the cowshed, all was calm. The cows either lay in their stalls or ate hay at their leisure. All was as it should be except for one thing. The door through which the cows go out during the summer was wide open and snow had blown in. They had somehow unbelievably managed to unlock the door and lift the door up and had run out into the night. <laughs> Evidence in the form of hoof prints showed that many cows had run gleefully in circles around the shed and other installations at the farm. I picture the cows running around going, moo, moo. <laughs> the post said, but the amazing thing about the cow's adventure is that every single cow had returned before morning. 
And, uh, you know, as the, as the weather got worse, the cows did not ignore it, and they returned to the warmth and safety of their shed. All the cows have tracking devices that alert their caretakers when any one animal is unusually active. And the post said that this morning there were over 50 cows with a notification on the computer. And on the movement chart, it was clear that they had opened the door up at midnight and had been out until about 5 or 6 in the morning. Wow. That's a late night, ladies. The post said this has been quite an adventure for them, but luckily they all found their way in and no one was injured in the hullabaloo, which I love that word. Yes. Cow, cowabaloo, cowabaloo. <laughs> Moo-a-baloo. Party Hullabamoo. <laughs> oh, there you go. There it is. Hullabamoo. <laughs> that was a hullabamoo right last night, wasn't it, Elsie? <laughs> You're darn right, Sadie. <laughs> Elsie and Sadie. Those two are getting up to no good. Yep. They're nothing but trouble. We should have got into, like, we should have figured out why uh, cows are named, like, after old-timey women's names, like Sadie and Bessie and... Peggy and Penny. Elsie. Peggy. Pansy. (laughs) I don't know, man. Probably because the... I don't know. I don't know. Answer the question, Verminions. We do not know a thing. And we didn't write... (laughs) I mean, not that's unusual. We we know we don't know a lot of things, but uh, yeah, that's one of them. Hey, here's a reminder for you. Go to varmints.podbean.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at, at varmintspodcast, all one word, and varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. Want a cool tote bag or t-shirt? Put varmints into the search engine over at tpublic.com for all kinds of merchandise. You can get a tote bag or a coffee cup or a tapestry. <laughs> tapestry. I still don't understand the tapestry thing, but there you go. <laughs> you can do it if you want to. If you wanted our logo like six feet across your wall, you could have it. It's there. That would be amazing. I would really enjoy that. And if you do it, send us a picture. <laughs> If you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to our podcast? We are everywhere that podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow. I used to run a Pinterest board for our show, and I have found recently that I just can't keep up with it. So, if you are a Varminion who wants to volunteer to do this project, I think we could probably find our way to getting you a t-shirt or a tote bag or something. Absolutely. If you want to take over that responsibility, just contact us through the Facebook discussion group or at varmintspodcast uh, at gmail.com. Right? Yes. It's time to learn about cattles. Hey! Hey! Let's go get educated on some animals. I know you want to. <laughs> Well, today we are talking about cattle. Cattle are domesticated bovine farm animals that are raised for their meat, milk, or hides, or for draft purposes. Domesticated bovine farm animals is my new indie band. (laughs) (laughs) DBFA. (laughs) I, I I remember listening to DBFA when they were just playing coffee shops. That's right. 
<laughs> oh, the cows <laughs> like to have a hullabaloo. A hullabaloo. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's our, our new hit. <laughs> a hullabaloo. <laughs> so the animals most often included under the term and the ones that we are talking about today are the Western or European domesticated cattle, as well as the Indian and African domesticated cattle. This group of animals began being domesticated by humans some 10,000 years ago, and uh, now they are completely domesticated because the wild ancestor of most domestic cattle, which were the aurochs, they've been extinct since the 17th century. Mm. Cattle are found wherever humans are, and there are over 1,000 recognized breeds of domestic cattle. There is terminology used to describe the sex and age of cattle. So the male is first a bull calf, and if it's left intact, it becomes a bull. If it's castrated, he becomes a steer, and in about two or three years, he grows to be an ox. The female is first a heifer calf, growing into a heifer, and if it has a calf, it becomes a cow. English lacks a gender-neutral singular form, and so cow is used for both female individuals and all domestic bovines, and that's why we were, we'll probably refer to them as cows more often than not in this episode, because everybody just calls them cows. Yep, they're just all called cows, as in general. Yep. Or cattle. Yep. Or cowsies. I don't hear people refer to them as cattle very much unless they are people that work with cattle. Yep. Then they're then they they're more particular. But when just people like you and me would just call them cows. Yeah. When you drive by a field, you go cows. Cows. <laughs> Depending on the breed of cow, mature bulls weigh between one thousand and four thousand pounds, which is four hundred fifty to eighteen hundred kilograms. And cows can weigh eight hundred to twenty four hundred pounds, which is three hundred sixty to eleven hundred kilograms. Right. The word cattle comes from the old French word, which was cattle, which actually meant property, land, money, and income. Mm -hmm. And that word in Middle English included farm animals like chickens, sheep, horses, and cows. And then it narrowed way, way, way down again to just include cows. Right. Thought that it would be fun for us to go over the whole multiple stomachs thing again today. We know we've done it in the horse episode, but uh, it's been a while, so. Yes, it's been, that's been, boy, it's been two years now since the horse episode. Yep. A cow is an animal called a ruminant, which means that they have several stomachs, right? Yes. Inside a cow's stomach region, there are four separate digestive areas. The first part where the food goes in is called the Rumen, that's the biggest part, and it holds up to 50 gallons of partially digested food because they've just chewed it and this is where the cud goes. So good bacteria inside the rumen helps soften and digest the food and it gives the cow the protein they need. Then it heads on to the reticulum. That's the part of the stomach that's the sort of the place where stuff gets done because it's where the cow, <laughs> if it eats something... It shouldn't have, like, a piece of fencing or a rubber glove or, you know, whatever, because they'll eat anything. And right. it lodges there in the reticulum. However, the contractions of the reticulum can force the object into the peritoneal cavity, where it can cause inflammation. 
nails and screws can perforate the heart if you're not careful. So you have to be super careful with cows with this. The grass that's been eaten is also softened further in this stomach section and it's formed into tiny little wads of cud. And each cud returns to the cow's mouth and is chewed 40 to 60 times and then they swallow it properly. The other part of the stomach is the omasum. This is the part of the stomach that's a filter. It filters all the food that the cow eats and the cud is pressed and broken down even further here. And then the final place is called the abomasum. A-B-O-M-A-S-U-M. This part of the stomach is like the human stomach and it's connected to the intestines. So that's the final phase before it goes into the final processing to make it into cow poop. Because the food finally is digested by the stomach juices and the essential nu nutrients that the cow needs go into the bloodstream. Everything else goes out and is cow poop. <laughs> and they included a tiny little poem about the cow's stomach, which is really cute. Oh, cool. Brown cow. No wonder you're always eating on the plains and on the hill. Brown cow, you're no doubt hungry. You have four stomachs to fill. Ha ha ha. Don't give up your day job, but uh, okay. That was delightful. It was great. They're always chewing. Like yes. they're always, always, always chewing. Yep, for sure. They look like valley girls. <laughs> Next time you see a cow chew in her cud, you're going to go, oh my god. <laughs> 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 so we are recording this episode in the northern hemisphere and it's winter time here because it is january and very very nice people who love animals like we do start to wonder if the cattle they see outside are cold and uncomfortable so this is going to be like sort of a physical characteristic but also sort of a, a psa about when you see cows outside and they have like a layer of snow on their backs mm, yeah Cows like to be outside, and as long as they are taken care of with good quality feed, water, and a dry location with shelter from the wind, they are going to be healthy. Yes. Cows have an average body temperature of 101.5 Fahrenheit. And since their digestive process includes some fermentation, as you talked about, that also produces heat. Which means that cows are usually the most comfortable at temperatures between 40 and 60 degrees Fahrenheit. In the fall, when temperatures begin to drop, cows that are used to being outside will begin to adapt by growing a thicker coat of hair and depositing a layer of subcutaneous fat. This combined with a layer of thick skin serves to insulate the body as temperatures drop. As the winter arrives and it snows, the thicker, longer hair will stand up and catch the snow. And this forms a layer that creates an air pocket that is warmed by body heat and further works to keep the animal warm. And it's for that reason that it's important that, that cows that are kept outside remain as clean and dry as possible so that the hair can maintain its insulating abilities. Cows that are muddy, for instance, or covered in manure, they're going to have more trouble staying warm. It is also essential that they have a dry, clean place out of the wind to stand and lie down in, especially when the temperature drops below zero. As temperatures become lower, cows will further adjust by increasing the amount of feed they consume. For this reason, adequate nutrition is extremely important for the animals to stay warm. The lower the temperature, the more feed cows will need due to the demand of an increased metabolic rate. 
Uh, faster heart rate, respiration, and blood flow require more energy, which in turn creates heat to keep the body warm. So cows that are given proper feed and access to unfrozen water will consume what is needed to stay healthy and comfortable during cold spells. So the next time you see cows standing out in the cold, try not to think of them as feeling the cold like we do. If they are well cared for, they are happy, they're healthy, they're comfortable being outside. And a cow for a farmer is a huge expense. Like, that is a valuable asset. You know, dairy farmers, farmers that, that you know, look after cows for whatever reason, they're going to make sure that those cows are healthy. Like, losing a cow is losing a lot of money. So chances are, if you're seeing a cow out in a pasture, it's being cared for reasonably well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and as we talked about, there really are no wild cows. They're all gone, aren't they? Didn't you say 1700s was the last time? Yeah, they're gone. They're yeah. they're extinct. Yep. So don't be alarmed if you see, like, snow on a cow. They're fine. Right. Yep, they have a lot of body fat, too, so... Yep. And very thick hides. They are engineered by people to live outside and be perfectly warm most of the time. Yeah, that's what domestication is. Yeah. They take him inside yeah. if it's too cold. It's all right. Disclaimer time! The Vomits Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then, Donna and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves. So... They're going to do it anyway. Intelligence on the scale of 1 to 10. Donna? Oh, I don't know. 4 or 5 somewhere? That low. Because people think that cows are pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah, They don't. Some people (laughs) think so. Yeah. People who raise cows don't generally think that. But yes, there are a few people that think that. They're about as smart as a dog. That's not incredible, as we as we have established before. We haven't done a dog show. We haven't done a dog show yet. We should do that. We should get. <laughs> we on will. That. We will do dog shows, and we have planned to do dog shows, and that'll be great. But just for this topic, dogs are variable. I mean, there's some dogs that are like almost as intelligent as like a raven or an ape. <clears throat> yeah. Like a border collie. But not all border, co- border collies are. <laughs> I've been told by border collie owners that most of them are really smart, but man, they get a they get one every once in a while. And then there's other breeds that aren't so smart, so there's probably a spectrum with cowsies as well, I'd imagine. So That makes sense, yeah. 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 The dog I have now is probably a 7 uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, whereas the dog I had prior to this one was probably a 4. Yeah. And I'm being generous. I feel like if you're if you're using a tool, that gives you an eight, you know. Right. And if you're using a tool to make a tool, that that's much further. And I don't know if there are animals that do that. So, ravens might use a tool to make a tool, but I'm not not sure. Anyway, uh, we might have to readdress all this stuff. But anyway, so I mean, I grew up around cows. So I, you know, went to not not on a farm, but. I come from a very cattle-y family, <laughs> and I had many opportunities to interact with them growing up, going to rodeos, going to stock shows, all sorts of stuff. I mean, they're, they don't strike me as particularly outrageously intelligent, but what you, I mean, <laughs> I'm willing to give them like a five or a six. I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. They can find their way in and out of the cattle truck most of the time. 
<laughs> and I'm not being critical. I like cows. No. Yeah. No, they're, I just, oh, I love cows so much. They're cows are legitimately awesome. I love them. one of my favorite animals yeah. ever. If we're driving down the highway and I see a field with cows in it, I will, every time I'll point and go, cows. I mean, I, I love cows. I grew up in the city, but there were still in our neighborhood, not the city, the suburbs, but there were still places when I was growing up that they would say, don't go into that field because there's a bull in that field, you know, so... Like, right on the cusp of the time when that wasn't true anymore. <laughs> uh, and the time when it was true type of thing. So, And I lived in Montana for a while when I was a kid, too, just for a short period of time. But but uh, definitely have been instructed many times, uh, avoid the bull in this area. Just don't go in there. Not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. They are aggressive. So, you know. Oh, yeah. 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 If you look out at a field of cows, they are I can almost guarantee it, all girls, or they might be uh, males that have had their yarbles cut off. <laughs> I'm not sure though. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I think they generally keep them separate, but it's been a while since I've been around people that handle cattle, so I can't remember. But <laughs> yep. somebody knows. Somebody who is listening to the show knows, and I'm sure they'll be like, "She's completely wrong. Cattle yes. are geniuses, and we should put them in charge <laughs> of everything in the world." Oh, no. <laughs> Once again, yes, uh, email us, varmintspodcast at gmail.com and, and yell at us. But but yell at us in a very nice way and tell Be us Be friendly we... about it because we're not being mean. <laughs> no. No, no, no. We love cows. <laughs> yeah, you can easily see cows in many, many ways out here. So I've seen That's a lot awesome. of them. I've been in a cattle truck, you know. So when I went to fly on Frontier Airlines uh, and said that it felt like being loaded into a cattle truck, I know what that feels like, so I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh, no. Mm -hmm. Well, there goes our Frontier Airline sponsorship. That's okay. They can. I'm not yeah. even going to say what they can do. No, you can take your cattle awful. truck airplane and shove it. How's that? Okay. Well, with that, <laughs> let's, let's move on. <laughs> You can edit we all that gonna... out if you want to. <laughs> I don't care. I don't think I will. We are going to talk about <laughs> cows. Frontier's and... going to be so mad. Your tiny <laughs> show dissed us. It matters a lot. <laughs> no one will ever know or care. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to talk about cows and pop culture and a couple other things, but not before I tell you about Patreon Hey, we have a Patreon. People give money to it, and it's awesome. And even though you will always get this show for free, if you want to give us a dollar or two every month to our Patreon, that'd be awesome because we are reworking it and we're going to have some nice, fun goodies that are going to be Patreon-exclusive uh, merch. And I'm working on a little video series that is going to be just for the Patreon people. And it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, you give a dollar every month. That's all you have to get. To get the Patreon rewards, yeah. To get the Patreon rewards. We've got a lot of special stuff that's planned, and we don't know how it's all going to come together, but special additional shows that will be available to the Patreons, uh, to the Patreon patrons, show patrons first. And um, I don't think that those things will be patron only, but we're they'll definitely get early access. So Yes. Like really early access months, so. Yep. 
yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so, but yeah. if you can't do that, you'll still get it for free later. But we just, I'm just saying, we got lots of fun stuff that's planned. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of work. I hope we can do it. Please let <laughs> us be able to do it and not have a year like last year. Ah. <laughs> now is a great time to give us a dollar a month. Just a dollar a month to our I Patreon. know. We're getting really long-winded about this, aren't we? Let's just get we into are. the pop culture stuff. Shut up, you guys. We promise we won't go on about it like that again. We're just developing stuff, so. <laughs> Sorry. Well, this here's Animal Rancher and Expert at Large, Cotton Shorts. You know Paul and Don are just a couple of nerds like you, and they don't usually get to see animals in the wild. But so we'll talk about where they usually do get to see them, which is to say on popular culture, books, movies, television, and video games. Well, this week I'm going to talk about Ferdinand the Bull. The story of Ferdinand was written in 1936 by an American author called Munro Leaf, and it was illustrated by Robert Lawson. It tells the story of a bull who would rather smell flowers than fight in bullfights. He sits in the middle of the bullring, ignoring the matador's efforts to make him fight. Good. Yeah. Good for Ferdinand. The book has never been out of print, and as of the time of this recording, it has been translated into 60 languages. There were some fairly subversive messages in the story of Ferdinand back in 1936, if you think about it. Everyone in the story, except for Ferdinand and his mother, enjoys fighting. Watching it, doing it, everything. So this story raises some questions like, should violence be a form of entertainment? Should you just go along with the crowd and do things to please others without being true to yourself? Should you listen to authority when you're being told to do something that you don't believe in? In 1938, Life magazine called the story of Ferdinand the greatest children's classic since Winnie the Pooh, and it suggested that adults should buy the book for themselves. But the article also noted that Ferdinand was accused of being a political symbol, noting that the readers could see in Ferdinand everything from a fascist to a pacifist to a sit-down striker. Yet another newspaper accused the book of corrupting the youth of America with its political overtones and message of being true to yourself. That's how you know it's good. Yep, absolutely. Boy, if the authorities don't like it, you better get it. Better snap it up. Uh, The book also crosses gender lines because Ferdinand is a character to whom both boys and girls can relate. And as such, the book found itself banned in several countries, including Spain, which is the setting of the story, and in Germany, where Hitler ordered copies of the book to be burned. Following the 1945 defeat of Germany during the Second World War, 30,000 copies were quickly published and given out for free to the country's children in order to encourage peace. In the United States, however, the book was super-duper popular, and Ferdinand's likeness was used to advertise things like breakfast cereals and toys. And in 1938, Disney made the story into an animated short that won an Academy Award. And you heard a little bit of that at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Now, here's something that got past me. A 3D feature-length computer animated film adaptation called Ferdinand was released in 2017, and it was nominated for Best Animated Film in the the Academy Awards that year. And I did not even know that existed until I did the research, so I need to watch that. I think the film that won Best Animated Film was the Spanish one about the Day of the Dead, 
Uh, I forgot the name of it. Is it Coco or something? Coco! There it is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, the story of Ferdinand. I like that story. That's a nice story. Yeah. Well, I thought we would talk today. This will be kind of interesting because (laughs) we're going to talk about the cow who was a nemesis of Mighty Mouse on the new adventures of Mighty Mouse. <laughs> a villainous cow? A bad villainous guy? Cow, cow? Bad guy. Bad guy, cow. Yep. The Mighty Mouse, the new adventures was an American animated television series that I hope you remember because I loved it. It was a revival of the Mighty Mouse cartoon and it was produced by Bakshi Hyde Ventures which was a joint venture of animator Ralph Bakshi and producer John Hyde and um, a company called Terry Tunes. And it aired on CBS on Saturday morning from, for like two seconds, from the fall of 1987 through 1988-89's TV season. And it was rerun on Saturday mornings on Fox Kids in November of 1992. So it is a really, really... (laughs) It is a smackin' good uh, cartoon series, and I cannot (laughs) recommend it more. It was a commercial half-an-hour format. Each episode contained two little 11-minute cartoons, and it differed from earlier incarnations of Mighty Mouse because it gave him the secret identity of Mike Mouse (laughs) (laughs) and a sidekick in the form of the orphan Scrappy Mouse. Who knows the hero's secret identity? And then he has heroic colleagues such as the Bat Bat. Bat Bat's sidekick <laughs> is called Tick the Bug Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, there's the League of Super Rodents, as well as he has antagonists um, uh, that like Madame Marsupial, and it includes the cow. Let's just listen to the cow. He's trying to put his his villainous plan against the Dare Farms together, and the the hero Bat Bat has come to stop him, and the the Bug Wonder is going to help too. So that's pretty funny. Aha! This plan is not only foolproof; it's also tamper-proof and child-resistant. <laughs> we superheroes always do things the hard way. Well, <laughs> if it isn't the famous Bat Bat, yes, and it isn't the famous cow. <laughs> I see you brought the famous Bug Wonder with you. <laughs> Throw in the towel, cow. The final bell has rung. <laughs> it hasn't yet, but it's about to. <laughs> As you can see, Batbat, you are trapped in a milk dehydrating machine. This is an utter mistake. <laughs> to the end, eh? Well, I expected that. This bad joke-a-meter measures the corniness of your one-liners. When the ratings hand hits zero... You and the bug blunder will be instantly turned into powdered superhero. Hot, hot, hot. You, you friend. I think he means fiend. Now I must be going. I have a date with destiny. The International Milk Exposition. Come, Michael Sex. I had a date with destiny once, but she stood me up. Is this the end of Bat-Bat and the Bug Wonder and the beginning of the dehydrated duo? Is that a multiple-choice question? But this looks like the end, Bat-Bat. Yes, it looks as though we're going to take a powder. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, I love that voice actor. He's Cannot great. Cannot stop laughing at this stupid cartoon, and it had all sorts of things. It's not just about the cow, but the cow is one of the best. One of the best of the Mighty Mouse's enemies. Really amazing and so fun. And uh, I don't know if you can even if you can see it these days, except on maybe just YouTube. You know? Yeah. So there was a dumb controversy. Where, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, Mighty Mouse was given a flower by a little character. And he was so touched that he started crying. And so he wiped his nose and he ended up sniffing the whole flower up his nose. (laughs) (laughs) And because people in the 80s were stupid, um, the people that were the authorities over what this stuff got censored as in the 80s uh, were kind of dumb they were like he's stiffing cocaine (laughs) (laughs) and ralph bakshi was said said, uh what it's what are you talking about it's just that's just so dumb and he finally ended up taking this that particular small sequence out um because people were complaining so much and going oh they're corrupting our children (laughs) and and uh yeah it was just a big he wasn't it was a flower it's clearly a flower <laughs> yeah i think you can watch the original sequence on youtube as well so anyway there are let me see how many episodes there are do 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 13 in season 1 and then just a few more in season 2 like 6 or 7 more in season 2 and they are so 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 funny so. cool you should definitely check it out. The cow is amazing. His voice was done by a guy called Michael Pataki. All right. Yeah. Uh, his, the voice is great. Yeah. They're really cool. Oh, apparently he died in 2010. Aww. Oh, oh dear. Sad. Thanks for the cow, though. <laughs> God. <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to respond to that. Thanks for the cow, though. <laughs> Would you eat it in a box? Would you eat it with a fox? Would you eat the fox? Would you eat it? <laughs> We we are omnivores, at least yes. I am, and right. we we eat cow things, beef and dairy and yep, yep, yeah, that's it. Yep, that's it. Wood and do. I don't eat a ton, but I mean more dairy than not. But yeah, yeah, we eat cows. Yeah, I've cut back on dairy because my guts don't like it, mm-hmm. and I've cut back on beef because there is some evidence that. You know, cutting back on beef might be a you know helpful to the to the environment. Like there's no yeah there's no one solution, but you know, cutting out a little bit of beef from your diet that'll help quite a bit. I read an article about some people are developing some feed with the incorporation of I think of an algae plant of some sort that makes the cows less gassy and less inclined to uh, contribute to greenhouse gases and stuff. <clears throat> I don't, sure. I don't know what the I don't know what the status of any of that is, but that's how people are going to solve that problem. So yeah, yep. Because it's it's all the cow farts and then the uh, 
and, the emissions and from the vehicles. Yep. And the way that we farm them should change back to the older way, for sure. I mean, we shouldn't have these massive, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there that's absolutely true, but people are just going to find ways to eat cows because they like them. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. We, you can get grass-fed beef here in the Albertsons, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, just, yeah, you can get yeah. it here, too. You don't have to get the big factory cow meat if you're that upset about it. Um, you can go and get the grass-fed stuff, which I think actually tastes better, so that's what we usually do. Yep. But we don't even eat a lot of it, so we usually just eat mostly chicken. But, you know, I feel like I can't make a good steak, so we have it out, usually. Yep, absolutely. I always think that a good steak is sort of relative to whatever cattle is nearby your house, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I've had steaks at the Outback here in Colorado that I think kick complete butt over anything available in New York City <laughs> or in, or in uh, Chicago, you know what I mean? So. Oh, man. See, our Outback Steakhouses here are terrible. Yeah. Yeah, but They're just absolutely might terrible. not be they might not be able to get the quality of meat that they need, but it's right next door here. So, Yeah. Know, so. That makes sense. Yep. Who knows? All right. I don't know. I don't know. Well, hello, Paula Donna. I've been meaning to ask you, is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Well, let's help you win that next trivia night, or just sound smarter than the rest of the room, with the Animal Fact of the Week. Back to you, amigos. <laughs> so I don't know if you've seen pictures of cows that are in veterinary schools or at fairs that have a hole permanently installed into the side of their bodies. Mm-hmm. Yep. You've seen that before, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That hole is called a fistula. Yep. And those cows are called fistulated cows. And here's why they exist. First of all, it's important to know what a fistula is. A fistula that occurs naturally is never a good thing because it's an extra passageway between two parts of the body that should not be connected at all. But fistulas can be installed by a doctor. So people who need to have feeding tubes, colostomy bags, or ports for dialysis or insulin pumps have fistulas. Right. And that's what fistulated cows have. They are generally kept at a veterinary school, maybe a large veterinary clinic or a dairy. And what they are used for is donating rumen microbes to sick cows. A cow's overall health is very much dictated by how healthy the microflora are in her rumen. When a cow gets sick, those microflora can die, and the cow's entire digestive system can get thrown out of whack. And a fistulated cow can help that sick cow regrow that microflora. Right. Installing a fistula into a cow's rumen is a relatively simple process. A hole is cut through the right side of the cow's flank and into the rumen, a rubber ring is inserted and permanently installed. This procedure doesn't take very long. It's performed with the cow standing. The cow's flank is numbed with local anesthetic, and once it's installed, the fistula doesn't cause any pain at all. It has a cap to prevent leakage. And the reason they put the hole in the side is because getting to the room in any other way is really bad for the cow and really inconvenient because you either have to go in through the front end or you have to go in through the back end. Right. So they found this little, you know, workaround so that they can access the rumen without 
distressing the cow without a whole lot of, you know, complications. Exactly. So when a sick cow comes in and it needs some healthy rumen microbes, some lucky person gets to put on a shoulder-length glove, undo the lid of the fistula, and sink his or her arm right inside the 50-gallon rumen of the healthy fistulated cow. <laughs> Big handfuls of liquefied hay and grass called ingesta are pulled out, put into a clean bag that has been sitting in warm water, and taken to the sick cow. The good microbes are delivered to the sick cow through a tube, sort of like force feeding, and then the cow is observed for a few days to see if her appetite has improved. They do testing on the cow's manure to see if the microflora are starting to flourish, and they just they just keep an eye on the cow. Diseases good. like salmonella and other gastrointestinal problems can be passed from healthy cow to sick cow, or vice versa, but fistulated cows themselves are kept pretty healthy and out of trouble. Right. They are not bred, they're not milked, they're not stressed out, they don't travel so that they're not exposed to contagious diseases, and they have regular blood tests. So diseases passed from a fistulated cow to another cow are very, very rare. Right. Another really cool thing about fistulated cows is that their ingesta can be used for other ruminant species. So goats, sheep, and alpacas who are sick and in need of a little boost to their gut microflora can benefit from them. Hooray! Yay for fistulated cows. Yay. <laughs> fistulated cow, again, another good band name. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that, ha that would have to be like a punk band. Yes, for sure. Fistulated cow. Got a hole in my side. <laughs> they look pretty happy. They look spoiled. They're like they mm, are because they're so valuable. La, 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 la. Yep. One fistulated cow in a geographical area often ends up helping out several different animals from different counties and sometimes even different states. And as long as it is well fed, a fistulated cow never runs out of ingesta. Right. So, how many cows do you think there are in the world? Or cattle, I guess. All the cattle. All the cowsies. How many in the world? Do you want me to guess? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say there are... First of all, I'm going to say that there are more cows than people, because that kind of... No, that makes there. sense to me for some reason. There are not more cows than people? No. No. Okay, so let's go with five billion cows. There are 996 million head of cattle. Oh, that's way less than I thought there were. A head of cattle means just one. So a farmer might say, my land has 5,000 head of cattle. That just means 5,000 individual cowsies, right? Sure. So yeah, um, and the cattle population has actually gone down. It was, it was in 2014, it was uh, 1 billion and some, and it's actually gone down and... And down and up and down and up and down and up. So, uh, let's see. Hmm. I'm just looking at the numbers. Mounted to about 996 million in 2018. In 2019, they think that the count is going to be over a billion again. But yes, there's definitely not more cows than people. For sure. Not even close. So, But it's a lot. I mean, a billion cattle is a lot. It's a lot, a lot. <laughs> that is a lot of cows. That's not a small amount of cows, okay? <laughs> you know. So. That is a lot of cheeseburgers. 
It really is. It's a lot of cows. Oh my gosh. It's a lot. <laughs> wow. So pretty pretty Do- cool. You can go to this website. We'll give the uh, the link to it. It's called Statista. And you can see all sorts of cool numbers on things there and find out what the sources are and where they're from and da 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 so Pretty cool. The basic account is free. So you can just go in and look at stuff. It's really, really Awesome. Neat. Yeah. Super Excellent. Cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo. Bed music by Kevin McLeod. Our logo was created by the wonderful and talented Imran Javed. Our vocal talent today was Carrie McGinnis, Chris Brayton, Chris Green, Stacey and Frosty, and Justine and Santiago. Woohoo! It's time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat who is eight years of age or younger and wants to be in on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. Who is our Rugrat this week? Our lovely little girl, her name is True. Aww. And and I think she holds the record for the youngest Rugrat we've ever had. She's two Uh-oh. and a half. Two and a half? <gasps> well, she definitely knows what n- the noise the cow makes. That's all that <laughs> we does. need to know, you know? Yes, True has something to say about cows. My name is True and I wear a safer. I'm two and a half. <laughs> Where do cows live? We live at barns. <laughs> what do cows look like? Um, I don't know. <laughs> White. Oh, sure. White mom. What do cows eat? Grass. <laughs> what do cows say? Moo. Oh. <laughs> oh, that was wonderful. <laughs> oh my gosh, so cute. So cute. Thank you, True. Yes, thank you. That was the best. I love it. And we need to thank John King, the crappy hippie, for introducing us to True. He runs a company called Get Glasswater Angling. And if you enjoy fishing and you want to do it in a way that is better for the fish and the birds and the environment, John makes lures that are completely lead free. And he sent me a couple of lures over the holiday break, and I am looking forward to trying them out. I haven't been fishing in a long time, and now I want to. So oh, thanks, sounds John. Sounds fun. I love fishing, or used to when I was a kid. Yeah. Loved fishing. So. Yeah, ew. Yeah, and John King is a huge supporter of the podcast. He's like a great big fan. So thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thanks, everybody, again for listening, and until next time. Be nice to animals. This has been a transmission of the Podfix Network. For more about this show and other great Podfix programs, go to podfixnetwork.com. Ah, la 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 la. Make sure I got everything in front of me. Welcome to the cattle show. All right, uh, clap in three, two, one. It's going to be a meaty episode. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, God, no. <laughs> Let's just steer away from the puns, shall we? We, we will, but the cows don't know we're laughing at them.
<laughs> Steer away from the puns you missed. <laughs> I did. It went over your head. It did. Oh my gosh, I'm utterly <laughs> <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> Utterly devastated, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it too much to ox to, you know, like not do this nonsense? <laughs> Let's just cut the bulk, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we better finish because we're going to have to stampede if we don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Right. <laughs>